So have you seen the Batman? <laughs> like the newest one? Yeah, yeah. You've seen it. So you sat down. You spent three hours of your life mm-hmm. sitting down in a theater. Did you go to a theater? I went to a theater by myself, actually. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you need to go listen to our loneliness episode, <laughs> that's that's the cue. I wasn't lonely. I was happy, man. I was Bro, so happy. I'm telling you, there is something about going to a movie theater, yep. sitting down by yourself, soda and popcorn yep. in hands. It's it's almost empowering. It's it's a it's maturity. Like, the world. It's a maturity. Yes. It's like fine wine. It's a maturity that I wish everybody would be able to experience, but only just like only the socially elite can go to a movie theater at Tuesday at seven o'clock and be like, no one ticket, please. (laughs) Have you seen those TikToks where it's like uh, the, the movie theater guys, like what movie are you going to go see? And then it like pans over to a dude, like in full out Batman cosplay. (laughs) And he's like, Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's gold. It's gold. Well, the reason I ask you that question is on a scale of one to 10, one being the absolute, like worst movie you've ever seen in your life and 10 being like walking through the gates of heaven best movie where would you rank the batman oh hold on hold on on. is this in like comparison to the other batman movies or just No, no, no just like walking through the gates of heaven best movie you've ever seen in your life versus like absolute dumpster fire bro i i'm i hated it i'm giving it a solid nine um strictly because like i've heard so many students say like oh yeah the batman track is fire and i'm like that's not the batman track that's nirvana (laughs) but i'm like if you can if you can take nirvana and make call nirvana the batman soundtrack that means you have a pretty good movie um it was it was fire dude i loved it well with without any context we're going to transition just straight into something's in the way (laughs) i gave it a 5.2 what all right what is up guys my name is victor gancito i'm student pastor at a local church in north carolina you got me you got me heated now i don't even want to do this intro anymore um i told you i hate all of what you just said um yeah i'm a pastor in north carolina too um (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to Sanctified Ish. This might be our last episode, considering what Victor just I, said. I think I just lost a friend. Gosh, that that irritates me, man. Uh, my opinion does irritate many people, and we probably just lost a couple viewers. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's just a bullet that I'm going to have to bite because there is one scene in the movie. You're going to know exactly what scene I'm talking about. All right, you ready? So Batman is in the Batmobile, right? And he flies through the fire. Yeah right phenomenal scene right super cool he flies through the fire he's chasing the penguin the penguin's car rolls over and it's upside down and what does the batman do he gets out of the batmobile and begins walking towards the car super dope shot right like you have the silhouette of batman with fire in the background walking towards penguin who's in this upside down car okay beautiful shot and what does the batman do when he gets to the car he turns his body into a U-turn and freaking like you see an upside down bat face through the window of this <laughs> upside down car. And I'm like, bro, that's that's in Lego Batman. Like that's a Lego Batman shot. OK, okay. Uh, why don't you <laughs> introduce what we're going to be talking about today? Um, yeah, so this is honestly when we were just talking like literally about 10 minutes ago about what is something that we just feel passionate about and what the Lord has really been teaching. I know that like the best sermons I've ever preached have come from what the Lord has taught me 
in the secret places alone with him. Um, and I'm hoping and praying that like podcasting is the same way with that. Um, because really over the last, like, I would say six to eight months, um, the idea of our desires has just been something that's really been like stirring up inside of me. Um, that there are, I've seen the way that the Lord has, um, torn down things that I thought I wanted as protection in my life that I didn't see in the moment. And now I can look back and I can see his grace and I can see his mercy. And that draws me to worship. I think there's also like, man, I'm 25 and I sleep on a pen, on a twin bed. There's a lot of things that I desire in my life right now that the Lord hasn't given me. And so wrestling with man, like what are these desires for? Why do, why do I have these desires in the first place? Um, and then also the third thing is just wrestling in the fact that like God is a good God who gives good things to his kids. And like, the Lord is abundance in and of himself. And so they're like, there's an abundance of joy and abundance of patience. Um, and the Lord desires to give good things. The hard thing that I'm wrestling with when we're talking about sanctification is that the good thing that I oftentimes want isn't actually a good thing for me in the moment. So I think the Lord is being absent or distant when I don't get that desire, but he's being good and consistent and steadfast in his character by actually not giving me what I want in the moment. Um, and just sanctifying me through the whole process. So like, it is a whole, a whole mess in my head and my heart of what the Lord has been teaching me. Um, And it really just kind of stems from the garden of Gethsemane. So like, this may be a little bit more sermony, but like, that's just kind of where the Lord has planted me for a while. Um, And looking to Jesus example that like, he actually prays his desire, like, Lord, if this cup, let, let, let this cup pass from me. Like if there's another way, if I don't have to go to the cross, let it be that, let it be so but also not my will, but your will be done. Um, And like, can that be said of my life that if the Lord doesn't give me my desires today, here and now, can I wake up and say like, Lord, not my will, but your will and trust him to know that he's a good and loving and awesome father. Yeah, that's really, I mean, and you see this picture of Jesus in the garden and his desire, like Jesus was without fault he was with, without sin. He was without error. He was without, like, he was perfect. And so his desire to not want to take on the cup that was mm-hmm. the wrath of God was not inherently a bad desire. Yeah. And I think that paints a beautiful picture in that, man, God might be calling us to obey him in laying down some of our good desires. Yeah. And like that's a tough reality to to grab. Yeah. Um I was I was having a really good conversation with someone that works at our church a couple of days ago and I was talking to talking to him about the concept of desires and it was a really good conversation and he he brought up a really good point in that desires like the fact that we have desires is a good thing. Yeah. Like God constructed us. He built us in his image and part of his image is that we might desire him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so pre-fall pre-sin desires were good and holy and glorifying to God. And so the fact that we are able to have desires for thing for things is a good thing mm-hmm. in and of itself where we go wrong. Right. Is when the object of our desire is something other than Jesus. That's good. 
And so I think it requires us to acknowledge the fact like, man, desires are good. It's actually the fact that we have desires is proof that we're made in the image of God. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful. Well, because thing. you don't know why it's but, proof is because he has desires for us. And yes. so like that yes. desire is a good thing because God desired to, he was sufficient in and of himself, but he desired people to, to be with and to worship him. So he created humanity as a good thing. Um, like he desired that and like, don't take that to say that God needs humanity. God doesn't need anyone in and of himself, but that's yeah. why there's like a good desire for God to be with humanity. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be with him. Like there, there there's yeah. a desire and a love for people. And so I love that we're starting off with like desire is a really awesome thing because it reflects the heart of God. Um, and I think yeah. when we deal with our desires, we automatically say like, well, either my desires are a hundred percent awesome and I should run towards them in every season or they are a hundred percent sinful and I should flee from them in every single aspect. And those are yeah. two extremes that I don't believe is really true. Um, because if God has desires, it is not inherently wrong for you and I to have desires. Um, it's like what Vic said, it's the way in which we go about them. And it is the weight that we put on them that ends up turning them into a bad thing. Um, like I, I think the, the way that I've like oftentimes thought about it um, is a good desire becomes a bad desire when it's uh, put with the wrong weight, met in the wrong way, or met in the wrong time. So like, oh, that's good. It's say it again. Say that. Hold on. Can you say that again? <laughs> a good desire. It, it, remember it. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. It's been a while since I preached this sermon, but <laughs> a good desire becomes a bad desire when it's simply met in the wrong way, given the wrong amount of weight, or met in the wrong timing in our life. Man, um, that's good. So I'm like, so take like the, the really good desire for marriage. Like that is an awesome God honoring biblical thing to desire a spouse. Um, but when we do it in the wrong way, when we say, I know what marriage is and I can define it on my own terms, when we do it and when we give it the wrong amount of weight that says I have no value unless I'm married or that spouse can fulfill me, that person can fulfill me or, um, if we simply meet it in the wrong time where I've like, if you're, if you're dating someone's like, Hey, I'm going to do this in my right time. I, I, I need a spouse right now. I'm going to do it in my timing and not God's timing. That's when we can take the really good desire and the good design that God has given for something like marriage. Um, and that's when it becomes a bad desire. Like bad desires don't exist in and of themselves in the same way that sin doesn't exist in and of itself. Sin is a corruption of a good thing. Bad desires are simply corrupted good desires. They're not bad things in and of themselves. Right. That's good. Because like the object of your desire, like if you get to the root of it, it's that you want a companion, you want community, Which is you good. want fellowship. And so like those desires are good. Yeah. That's not a bad thing, right? I think something that I've been wrestling with and maybe Reagan, you can help flush this out a little bit. I heard this illustration a long time ago that I used in a sermon and it was basically a pilot and his co-pilot were flying over uh, this area in a rural country that they flew over routinely. This was something that they flew over every single day. And eventually the co-pilot in the plane asked the pilot, he said, you see that Creek down there? Every time we fly over this creek, you look down at it. You look down at that creek at that spot. Why do you look down at that creek? Mm -hmm. And the pilot responded. He said, well, when I was younger, I would go fishing with my dad right there. And we would have conversations. And my dad would ask me, why are you always looking into the sky? Mm -hmm. 
And I would respond because one day I want to fly. One day I want to be a pilot. But now I fly over that spot and I look down at it, wishing that I was fishing with my dad. Yeah. And I think that illustration paints a picture of contentment. And so Reagan, how can we have good and genuine desires, but also be content with where God has put us in this particular season of life? Because I don't think they're in, I don't think those two things compete against each other, but it often feels like they do. They're not in competition because what is God's greatest desire for us? His greatest desire for us is to look like Jesus. Like, more than anything else in our entire life, um, he desires us to look like Jesus. And this is where, like, this has gotten me into a little bit of trouble on TikTok, but I would, this is really important. Jesus wants to, or God wants to sanctify us to look more like Jesus more than he wants us to be happy. And that doesn't mean there isn't joy in the Lord. Um, yeah. Like, joy and happiness are two very, 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 very different things. Joy is rooted in the Lord. Happiness is an emotion. So happiness is when we say this circumstance or this person or this feeling, I can get the joy that the Lord promises in my terms and my way on on my time. So like, no, the Lord really doesn't desire your own happiness because you don't really know what's going to make you happy. Like there is joy in the Lord when we are aligned in our heart and our body and our body and our mind and our soul with what he has designed because he has designed things for ultimate joy. Um, so like the Lord wants to sanctify us to look like Jesus, because in looking like Jesus, there is ultimate joy. Um, it isn't to make us happy. And so I think when, when, when sanctification, when we understand that looking like Jesus is God's biggest desire for us, I'll take the example from marriage. Um, it's a good desire. It's a great desire. Um, Vic, you can attest to this. When you become married, he pairs you up with another sinful person. And in that, that person can't fulfill you completely because only Jesus can. But in that, he uses the vehicle of marriage to sanctify you, to make you look more like Jesus. Um, For me, I'm not married. Um, And there's a lot of people listening who are not married that desire to be married. And he is sanctifying you in the waiting to look more like Jesus, where you really have to wrestle with the question where like, if it's just you and Jesus, like, are you okay with that? Are you satisfied with that? Can you be content with the one who created you? And that's the question you have to wrestle with whether you're married or single. So like the long-winded way to answer your question is like sanctification is the goal. That is Jesus, that that is God's desire for us. Um, And those two things are not in opposition because both of those avenues are pointing back towards our sanctification to make us look more like him. Yeah, I mean... There's no better way to put that, right? I completely agree that contentment and desire are not in competition with each other if they are both rooted in Jesus, Yeah. right? The moment they begin to pull you apart is when you're not content in Jesus and your desire is not for him either. Yeah. And then those two things become radical enemies of each other. And that's where we see people like, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I remember the story in the Bible is Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? Mm -hmm. And this boy gives up his five loaves, his two fish. And I think I've told the story in the podcast before, but it's like he gives up those things 
we don't know his name. We don't know who he is. Like he's unnamed and unknown in all of scripture. Yeah. And can I be content with, with my life going unnamed and unknown, even if that means that I get to look more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is an incredibly difficult question to answer because I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There are days when I wake up and man, I want to be the next famous Christian pastor with the next platform. And man, there are days when I wake up and God humbles me to the, like to the dirt of the ground yeah. where I like, I am nothing in comparison to him. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's, that's just a tension yeah. that, you know, you have to manage. As well, you hear us and I think that's the cool thing where it's like, you're not alone in that. Cause like I've wrestled with that. Um, there are people listening that have wrestled with that. And that's where I love the Garden of Gethsemane because you see Peter wrestle with that, um, where Jesus models perfectly. He's like, I have this desire to escape the cross. If there's another way, he brings his desire to God. Um, and this, that's why I, just, I need to touch on this really quickly. That is why it's so important for us to pray our desires. Um, because desires that we do not pray to God turn into idols that we will now use prayer to attain. So like... yes. It's, it's not that Jesus prayed it, but it's that he prayed it and submitted it and obeyed regardless of the answer. And so I think there are times in our lives when it's like, man, uh, so I, I wanted to be in the NBA when I was in high school. I was six foot six as an eighth grader. I thought I was going to be seven one. I thought I was going to the league. Um, <laughs> all, all my prayer journals in high school was like, Lord, let me get to the NBA. And if you do this, then I'll do this. It was an if-then yep. statement yep. with the prayers. And I think that like basketball had become an idol that I was now using my prayers to attain that idol. And that's not what Jesus does. And I feel like we do that oftentimes with the desires of our own heart. They're like out of good things, like they're things that we want, but we use prayer as a vehicle for us to attain those things instead of, an, instead of an, a way for us to lay down our desires and say, whether you you answer this as a yes or answer it as a no, I will trust and live and act out of your will. And I think it's important for us to start there with Jesus because we see the way that he engages this because Peter does the complete opposite. And I love that because like, bro, I don't relate to Jesus. I relate to Peter. Um, Yeah. Like Jesus is too good for me. And like (laughs) Peter falls asleep on Jesus again and again and again. And again, and Jesus says to him, watch and pray with me, lest you fall into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Um, and I think in that it's, it's this beautiful picture of, we just, we miss the mark when it comes to our desires and like, we aren't Jesus and we so often don't, um, pursue these things healthily. And so Jesus is telling, or Jesus is telling Peter to, to stay awake, to spend time with him, to be with him because Peter's going to deny Jesus at the cross. And so like the temptation that he's talking about isn't in the garden, it's the temptation to come. And like, that's, we think our time with the Lord is, is, is meant to be this place to get facts, but it's a, it's a preventative space where we get to be with him so that when the temptation comes, it's like, that's when the scripture comes out. That's when we can fight these spiritual weapons. And I love this because like Peter fails him in the garden, Peter fails him at the cross but like Vic, Sunday School 101, what does Jesus do with Peter? Bro. Bro, he redeems him. The, 
the redemption. Bro. He redeems him. And how humbling is that? He redeems him. The habitual sin. Yes. And, Man. And I'm like, that's beautiful. If if that's a word, that's been a word for me. That's a word for for anyone listening that I'm like, when we turn our idols and our desires into something that they were never meant to be. And when we fail God, God does not fail you. And like he pursues and he redeems. And he told Peter, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Not just redeeming him for every single time that he rejected Jesus, but also every single time that he fell asleep on Jesus. Like it's this beautiful, amazing parallel. Um, and I think that just like when we understand that, it should actually drive us back to the root and the source of the garden and the secret places and the time away with Jesus. Like he says, watch and pray, come back, come spend time with yeah. me again. And I think like, that's, that's the root of a lot of this is our desires are formed and the secret places with Jesus. Um, yeah. And my desires look a lot more like him when I spend time with him, my desires become unchecked when my time with Jesus is unchecked. Um, yeah. There was a lot of gold in what you just said. <laughs> Sorry, I told and, you it's gonna get a little sermony. I apologize. No, and as it should, right? Because I think about this, and I just kind of want to exposit some of the things that you just said. Are we use prayer as a vehicle to attain our idols, right? Yeah. When do we become most discontent and angry with God? It's when he doesn't answer that prayer. Yeah for our idols yeah. right so for me growing up i my grandma i love her so much she told me from the time i was one years old you're gonna be a pastor one day you're gonna be a pastor i just know it and she would tell me this like every time i saw her yeah. and i'd just be like grandma shut up <laughs> i am not gonna be a pastor i don't know what you're talking about i'm gonna go into computer engineering i want to code and build video games i want to be a nerd for the rest of my life i want to make a living you kind of playing are. on social media and playing video games You're living out that dream and like i got a 3d printer in my background right so like i might be a little bit of a nerd still but it's like the prayer for so much of my life was god help me be a computer scientist yeah help me attain this career goal and I became discontent with God when it looked like he was pointing me a different direction. Yeah. And I got angry with him. There was disdain in our relationship. And when we are praying, even if they're good prayers for something that we've replaced Jesus with, yeah. man, you are opening the door for anger and discontentment yeah. in your relationship with Jesus because he is pointing you to look more like him. Yeah. You're praying for the opposite. Well, and you just, I love you just touched on that, that we don't know what's best for us. <laughs> like we, we don't. And even to tie back with the happiness and joy thing, we don't know what's actually going to make us happy. Um, we don't know actually what's good. Like the Bible says, this is what brings you joy. Looking like Jesus brings you joy. Um, and we see that and we know that and we reject that. And we say, no, I want this. I want joy on my terms. I want happiness. Um, and we are like, we are as a, a culture and in a world that is in pursuit of happiness. Um, Kid Cudi, pursuit of happiness. Like there's just like, it's just, it's ingrained. Was that, was it Kid Cudi? Is that a Kid Cudi song? You listen to Kid Cudi? Uh, back in the day, pre-Jesus, you know. Um, <laughs> now it's only, and now it's only Jesus and King and on. Yeah, and yeah. Now like, it's a Jesus freak in DC talk. 
It was Kid Cudi. It was okay. Kid Cudi. I shouldn't know that. <laughs> I love Jesus. But I think that's where it's like that idea of we are in the highest thing we hold in our society is your own individual happiness. Um, and I think that has made its way into the church as well, that we desire what will make us happy. We desire God when he makes us happy. Um, we desire relationships when they make us happy. We desire careers when they make us happy. And when they don't make us happy, we throw them aside. Um, and so what happens with the Lord a lot is like when he doesn't make us happy, we throw him away. Um, we stop coming to him in prayer. We stop spending time with him. But the crazy thing is what you just said is like, he's trying to bring joy into your life by actually telling you no, because if he gave yeah. you what you wanted in the time that you wanted in the way you want it, it wouldn't be a blessing to you. It would actually burn you. So like the most loving thing yeah. that he can do is tell you, no, um, we just don't ever see yeah. that in the moment. Well, I think of, I think of Paul, right. And Paul's very well known for this passage in second Corinthians where he talks about there, there's this thorn in his side and he just can't get rid of it. He's pleaded with the Lord multiple times, three times, several times, God remove this thorn from me. It was at the deepest desire of Paul. Paul's number one thing that he wanted was for this thorn to be removed. Mm -hmm. And I'm convinced and commentaries are convinced, which is why I'm convinced that Paul simply wanted this thorn removed because he was convinced that if he didn't have this particular thing, that's good. He would be able to be more effective for the ministry of Christ. He thought that if God removed this thorn, he would be able to plant more churches. Yeah. He would be able to do more things. He would be able to be more effective. And I cannot stress how good of a desire that is. Who doesn't? want to be more effective for Jesus? Who doesn't want to chase after him in a, in a more effective way? Who doesn't want to lead more people to Christ? Yeah. But what does Jesus say? What does God say? No, Yeah. my grace is sufficient for you, bro. First, the power of Christ. That is That's so huge. good. That is so good. Cause I think you also just opened up a door there that Okay, so like how many times, man, have we like... All right, I added another 35 minutes to the podcast. Well, I think you Sorry. you you hit on something that is just like one of the untouched, unscratched itches of Christianity that I'm like, yeah. you can't really pray sin away. Um, that Jesus Christ died for your sin, but we are still here living with sin. Like I, 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 you can be the best follower of Jesus, you're still going to be a sinner. And so that's where it's like, Till the day you die. what do we do with the desire to not be sinners anymore. Um, but also knowing that like, if we weren't sinners, I would have no need for Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah, I would, I, yeah. I, I would, I would like run out into self-sufficiency and self-righteousness that I'm like, I hate my sin, but also my sin keeps me dependent on the Lord. It keeps me like, it keeps me tethered to him. And so like, there's a whole theological mess of like, how do we balance yeah. the, the, the justification and the sanctification? And like, what do we do with that? But I'm like, I think that is something where we never want to get complacent with our sin and living in sin. That's not what I'm saying. But like, God is yeah. gracious, even in your sin, to use that to drive you to dependency on him and sanctify you and make you look more like him or like, even what he's just saying, the power is in him. It's not in us. And if like my sin wasn't in my life, I would think the power would be in me. 
Um, yeah, but I got a lot of sin and no power in me. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's like, it's this whole concept of Romans seven, right? Yeah. Like I don't do what I want to do, but then I do do ha, do do what I don't <laughs> want to do. And it's like, it's, it's this really confusing chapter in Romans where it's like, man, Paul is clearly struggling with something, yeah. right? He is struggling with the desires of his flesh even though he knows that the desires of the flesh should be replaced with the desires of Jesus. And that's that tension that Christians have to navigate Mm -hmm. because very similar to the law, what did the law do? The law showed the followers that they were incapable of obeying Jesus, of obeying God. And so the law exposed their sinfulness and their need for God. Mm -hmm. And our sin in a healthy Christian's life should also point us back to Jesus in that our conviction from the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. causes us to hate our sin and drives us to run to the feet of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good, man. Um, And it's frustrating because I know I'm going to be a sinner in two weeks and two months and two years and 20 years. And so yeah, but I also know that the Lord is going to use that to make me look more like Him, um, and I think there's a very big difference between Christians are not slaves to their sin, um, but we are still sinners, um, and that's one of the tensions that the Bible brings up. So, like even going back to the Garden, Jesus says, "Watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation." Um, so it is sinners that fall into temptation. Those two things are not separate. So I think it comes back to like, it's, it's an ongoing battle that Christians are going to feel with desires of the flesh um, that will never be fully um, restored and redeemed this side of eternity. Um, and that's where like here and now, watch and pray. Watch and pray, spend time with him, memorize his word. Like Romans 12, two says you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means that my mind has sinful desires it has sinful patterns. It has sinful ways, but it can be renewed. Um, do not be, I'm blanking on the end of that passage. It's late at night. Um, but uh, do not be transformed <laughs> by the renewing of your mind. And, and so what that basically means is like the word of God can change the way that my mind desires things. And I think that's what we're supposed to do here and now um, is that yeah. we cannot be slaves to sin, but that while we are still sinners, um, spend time with him and allow the, allow Jesus to change the desires in us and sanctify us. Yeah. It's like, now that we know Jesus, we have access to the armor of God. Yeah. Right. And if you read Ephesians six, you'll notice that the armor of God has no pants. <laughs> odd. Okay. It's a little, why odd. do you know that Just saying I saw it on TikTok? Of course I follow some Christian TikTokers. The armor of God has no pants, but if you're not a believer, guess what you don't have access to? You don't have access to this armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit. These things that help you combat your fleshly desires that Satan yeah. is going to be waging spiritual war against, right? Ephesians 6, it's so beautiful. Our enemy is not flesh and blood, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the spiritual enemies, right? It's Satan launching fiery arrows at you. The only way we can guard against that is through the armor of God. And so 
as Christians, like we have access to that. And that is something that guards us from our sinful desires. Um, And so I, I really like that imagery. Yeah. I think it's a good thing to even tie back to the beginning where it's like desires are not inherently bad. Um, desires are given by God. So even like desires of the flesh, I think we can also almost like crucify the flesh and like get rid of it. Everything in the flesh is bad. No, like the flesh is just distorted. So it's like a funhouse mirror, like the good things that God has created. It's just bent in a certain way where like it kind of looks like it, but it isn't. And that's just what the devil's trying to do. That's what sinful desires of the flesh are. They're good things that God has created that are just a little bit distorted. Um, it's almost right. And that that's why it's like we have this desire to like flee fleshly things 100%. Um, when like God created desires to be good things, um, they've just been corrupted in a little bit. And we the, the corrupted desires are enticing. They look nice. They, 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 they promise fulfillment in the moment, um, but they never, they never last. They never give you what they really promise. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so interesting to see that like, even the most slight corrupted desires, the most slight corrupted of the flesh is enough to eternally separate us from an eternity with Jesus. And like, it's severe. Even the slightest is severe enough to give you a one way ticket to hell and you fully deserve it. And that's where the beauty of the cross comes in, right? You read Revelation, and although it's jam-packed with apocalyptic language and really difficult to understand passages, there's something that I find so beautiful, and it's that in the end times, there's this imagery of fire raining down from heavens. And fire, especially in the Old Testament, but even in the New Testament, is used in a purifying way. It's noted as something that, you know, it it's... Think of a phoenix, right? The phoenix burns up and dies, but is reborn, beautiful, and ready to live again. Like this fire that will rain down from heaven will destroy everything that is corrupted and sinful in this world. But he is not destroying his creation. He is renewing it. He is restoring it. He is redeeming it. And what's the picture of the cross? It's redemption. That's what Jesus does. It's what the whole gospel is about. And so how much more beautiful is that? That Jesus isn't saying, screw this. Let me just start over. Yeah. He's saying, no, I'm in the game of redemption. Yeah. So I'm going to redeem what is mine and and what I created. And you know how we got to the cross? Jesus had a desire that he brought to the father. And I think we forget this. The father told him no. Like, Jesus says, let this cup pass from me. And it didn't. Like he still went to the cross. And I think that is where what I what I'm trying to get to in my own life, and it's just, it's through sanctification, but it's like this 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 habitual practice of like, okay, Lord, I don't have it, but I want it. Here's the desire. If you say yes, it's to sanctify me. Praise God, I will walk in it. If it is a no, there's a greater purpose behind it. Um, and it is not my will, but it is your will. And I will be obedient to you, even if it is not what I want. And obedience to God brings joy because the Bible says that Jesus counted it all joy as he went to the cross. It wasn't happiness. Jesus was not happy to go to the cross. He asked to get out of it, but he counted it as joy. 
to go to the cross because he knew there was a greater purpose behind it. And I'm like, and the way that Jesus models how we deal with our desires, like whether it's a yes or a no or a maybe from God, that's how we're to do it. And to know that Peter on the back end, that when we do fall, when we get into these lustful desires, when like, when we do fall away, man, God's desire for you is greater than your desire for him. And like, he will still pursue and he will still redeem. And I'm like, that's, that's been one of the coolest things for me to look back in life is like, see the way that God restored things, see the ways that he redeemed things in my life that like, when I had desires and I followed them in my own way, my own weight and in my own time, and it brought me brokenness in my own life, the Lord didn't laugh from heaven and leave me in my brokenness. Like he redeemed me and he said, I told you, you're dumb. I told you. But even though you went your own way, like I'm going to redeem you and restore you and make whole what you've broken. And I'm like, I know that there's someone listening to this because I've been there that you feel like the life is just shattered and it's gone. And the things that you've done, the things that you've said have just like ruined everything for you. And like, there is no desire that you can follow that could kill God's desire for you. Um, that he's still going to redeem and he's still going to restore. And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. That's the beautiful thing about the cross. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a humbling reminder for like, you could be the most mature most dedicated Christian. You could be a seminary student. You could be in the workplace, wherever you're at in life. You could be, you could be there quote unquote, right. And still be humbled by the fact, no matter how much you mess up, no matter how much you sin, there is still someone who is chasing after you. And, you know, it makes me think of the Israelites after leaving Egypt you know, they go into this desert and the desert sucks. Yeah. And what's their initial reaction? I want to go back. Yeah. Slavery was way better than this. At yeah. least we had food. And they immediately forget the provisions that God had for them in the desert. And it's like, we are so quick to be the exact same way. Yeah. We read the Old Testament. And we're like, dang, those Israelites were stupid. Mm-hmm. Bro, we do it every day. We do the exact same thing. We tell God, hey, I'd rather go back to Egypt yeah, because what I want is more important than what you want. Um, well, and what, Reagan, if we... I was going to like... Even, oh, no, what were you going to say? Even going off of that, like what the Lord does in order to help them to remember that is he tells them to build stone monuments and to like, the yes. Lord moved here, the Lord worked here. Uh, do not forget so that the generations to come back won't remember your experience. They'll remember what the Lord did. Um, and in the same way as Victor's saying, we are prone to wander, prone to forget. We have to build stone monuments in our lives um, of remembering that the way that the Lord has been faithful, remembering the way that he has been good, um, remember the way that he has pursued after us. And that's going to look different. Like for me, that's just writing in a journal. Um, I hate doing it. Um I'm a verbal processor. That's why I have a podcast. Um, <laughs> like I hate, hate writing down in a journal. <laughs> Are you a verbal processor? I like yeah. our call log is Shocking. like three hours per conversation. Um, <laughs> but I can go back on these journals now for four or five, six years ago. And I can see like in good seasons, bad seasons and mundane seasons, I can see the Lord's faithfulness. And there's so much value in that. Um, 
Yeah. And that's going to look different, but I'm like, we do not neglect to build a monument of what the Lord has done, lest you forget it and repeat the mistake that, that led you into sin in the first place. That is a perfect transition into the practical piece of this. I know, I mean, there have been multiple times where we've been on a phone call and God has just like radically done something awesome, whether it be at a Sunday night ministry, whether it be at summer camp or whatever it is. And it's like, we remind each other on the phone, man, build your Bethel here. Yeah. Because there are going to be seasons of ministry that are dry, that hurt, that are painful, that are exhausting, that demand everything from you. And if you don't build your Bethel, if you don't pile your rocks, if you don't remember what God has done in the past, then you will burn out here. Yeah. And I think whether you're in ministry or not, getting into the habit of just writing down everything that God has provided you mm-hmm. is a phenomenal practice. I tell my students this, and this is obviously not literal, but I tell my students, man, what if you went to bed tonight and only wake up with the things that you thanked God for the night before? Do you thank God for the simple things in life? And it's like, obviously, I'm not trying to build a legalistic culture in that thing. You know, before you go to bed, you got to be like, thank you for oxygen. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for the ground. Thank you for, you know, my my computer. Thank you for the like, I'm not trying to build a legalistic culture. But what that helps build in my students is, man, I take so many simple things for granted. Mm -hmm. And I don't build my Bethel. I don't build my pile of rocks. Yeah. I don't remember the amazing things that God has done in my life. And when you get to seasons that hurt, when you suffer, when you struggle, when you're dealing with sin, and you're not able to remember the things that God has done in the past, yeah, we are so quick to abandon it, just like the Israelites. Yeah. Remember, God saved them out of years and years and years of slavery and it took only a moment for them to want to return yeah and so that is why it's so important so i guess transitioning to the back end of this podcast reagan what would be your your application how do we as believers just people that love jesus hone our desires but also to, to be glorifying to God, how do we hone our desires to be glorifying to God, but also hold them loosely mm-hmm. to where if God tells us no, man, we're able to say yes and amen. Yeah. I will take that cup of wrath, kind of like how Jesus did in the garden. So it goes back to the garden, honestly. Um, your desires will look like Jesus when you spend time with Jesus. Um, it's really as simple as that. And the older I've gotten, um, the more I have seen and prioritized um, a need to prioritize my time with Jesus in my life. Um, because I've seen in my own life and I've had so many conversations with students where it's like their, 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 their mind, their heart, their life has gone all over the place, but they haven't opened up his word in six months. And I'm like, as simple as it is, that's the root of everything. That's what, that's what Jesus gets on Peter for watch and pray. Like, can you not stay awake for one hour and spend time with me? Um, And I think that's where we look at Jesus's ministry is he spent uh, so much time in the public square, but he prioritized time with the father above everything else. Like he went away, he spent time, he fasted in the wilderness. Like Jesus was away with the Lord 
And he held that in more priority than his time in the public square. And I think we flipped that. Um, where it's like, we say that the things that we can do for God is better than spending time with God. Um, yeah. And I think like legitimately when it comes down to it, like you are going to look like the person you spend the most time with. Um, and so like, I, like I've picked up different traits from Victor because I've spent so much time with him. I've watched anime because I've spent time with Vic. Um, I have no desire to watch anime unless I spend time with Victor. <laughs> but because I've spent so Bro, much I'm saying demon slayer. No, I have no, des- no desire A1. to, um, but because I've spent so much time with Vic over the last couple of years, that has become a part of my life. And if we want our desires to look like Jesus and to hold them loosely, like Jesus did to say, not my will, but your will mentality, you have to spend time with him. Um, and our time with the Lord is not informational. It's transformational. I heard John Mark Comer say that at our church one time. And it was one of the most foundational things I've ever heard in my entire life because we're not just here to get facts. Like we're not just here to memorize John three sixteen. Like, yes, there's value in memorizing scripture, but you're there to spend time with a person. Memorizing scripture is a vehicle in which we get to spend time with Jesus. It isn't a spiritual check mark to say like, I did it and I'm done. Like the goal is to Man. spend time with God. And when we spend time with him, our life becomes changed. Um, yeah. So you have to go back and spend time with him. Man, it's beautiful. It's like really a beautiful thing. And I think the more we're reminded of how beautiful Jesus and spending time with Jesus is, the more we can appreciate and enter into that time with a genuine desire to know him better. Yeah. Um, that's really good before we finish. I mean, we're at 47 minutes do you have any last words like any last thing to anyone listening to this podcast that needs to be reminded man my desires ultimately for jesus any last words man god is just good like there's there really isn't like i can look back on the ways that he's been faithful when i haven't um and that's ultimately what i feel with my desires is like he is faithful and good when i have unmet desires Um, He's faithful to give me good things. um, And he's also faithful to withhold things from me. Um, He's just been good and faithful. And he's good and faithful in whatever season you're in right now. Yeah. Well, if you guys have questions, if you want to continue the conversation, if you... Uh, maybe you disagreed with something or maybe you have a really cool story that just it just shows God's faithfulness and his beauty. Yeah. We want to hear Send it. Send us Email stories. Email us, sanctified-ish, please. Like, they're encouraging. We've had a handful of emails thus far and we really love and appreciate them and we try to get back to everyone. So please let us know, sanctified-ish at gmail.com. Who knows? Maybe we'll get fancy eventually and be like info at sanctified-ish.com <sighs> or we can like take on like the super fancy email but right now we're just gmail so gmail.com you can check us out on tiktok and on social media we uh we've been posting some fun stuff as we got podcast clips we got some quirky content reagan kind of made a face last last episode when i said that but we got quirky Quirky. content okay christian memes are funny too that's the hashtag i've been using christian memes are funny too so check us out on tiktok sanctified ish Guys, we're super thankful for you. Seriously, we could have not asked for a better launch for this podcast. We could have not asked for a cooler community. And we're super pumped that you guys are here and listening. If you haven't left a review, leave a review. Let us know what you think. 
Um, don't leave a review if it's anything less than five stars. <laughs> Our pride cannot handle it. Yeah. And so just leave a five star review and then be critical with your words in the uh, in the comment box Amen. below. But guys, we're thankful for you. We love you. Until next time. Take care. Better.